You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Who's that man? Well, that man is the Pimp Cron. What's that show? Well, that show is the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and this is episode 59, and uh, we are getting up there in the, the uh, numbers, and I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for listening to the show. What is on the docket for tonight? Well, I don't recall. So first off, we've got Want That or Want That Not. And it, we're discussing Beastgrave, and it's just thrilling and exciting and wonderful in every sense of the word. We also have a real talk with the Pimpcron dealing with jerks in Warhammer. And we finally have the Tesseract mailbox. Are Necrons good? And I answer that question. So, what has been going on with me? Uh, I'm really looking forward to the fall. I cannot wait. We've had a couple cool days, and ooh, I can just feel that pumpkin spice boiling up inside my soul. Halloween is my very favorite time of the year, and that is... What did I do this week? Well, I have been painting Caradron Overlords, and I played a game of Caradron Overlords versus my friend Josh's Beastmen the other night at our gaming club, and... You know how I say I frequently win? Well, (laughs) all streaks were meant to be broken. Good God, I got brutalized. I almost pressed charges, but decided not to at the last moment. The, um, so I was really thinking that I could shoot him off the table. I'm still trying to figure out Caradron Overlords. I've played, I guess, six games at this point with him, and I just keep trusting in my guns too much, and... I've won, I guess, like 50% of my games right now with them, but the um, he had uh, two Gorgons, he had a Chaos Gargant, which is a giant, and then he had a, a 30-man squad of Beastagores, and a 20, 20 or 30-man squad of Ungors, and uh, several Shamans, and he, he had a lot of stuff. And my little Caradron Overlords, we took out... Uh, basically killed both of his Gorgons on turn one. And at that point I was like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good about this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, both of us actually were exchanging glances like, Ooh, this, this game is not going to go well. And eventually, uh, by the end of it, um, I didn't, you know, he's running across the board because he's getting like plus one to his movement because of a banner. And then like plus two or three inches because of the shaman and then he can run and charge. And so he's directly across the board immediately. And I just never got too much chance to get the objectives. And, um, so I, I stuck to my guns and I shot and I shot and I shot and I shot. And of course, then he starts bringing him back with the call points and blah, blah, blah. Well, by the end of it, um, he didn't wipe me off the table or anything. I didn't wipe him off the table. But I did a lot of damage to him, and he did a lot to me, and he beat me, uh, I'm gonna mess up the number now, but I think it was 16 to 9, or was it 26 to 9? It was a, it might have been 26 to 9, it was a lot, it was a, it was a huge, 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 uh, disparity in, (laughs) in between the points, and it's because... I mean, turn one, he's across the board. What do I do? I'm just going to keep shooting. I can't assault him worth anything. I mean, my engine riggers are good, but other than that, the ships 
aren't like 40k. They can't back up and, and shoot because they've got fly. There's no rule for that in Age of Sigmar. So the ships are almost more of a liability than anything else. But we did some pretty good stuff. Um, I'm not upset with the way we played. And even at the end of it, he was like, you know, the, the points don't really reflect how the game went. And I'm like, well, no, but um, I don't know how I feel about Age of Sigmar. You continue to score even though you walk past the objective. Like, I don't know about that because... I think that almost makes it too easy for melee armies, but maybe the other way makes it too easy for ranged armies. I don't know. Who am I? Who am I, honestly? So um, the big thing I've been working on this weekend with my Caradron Overlords is that the, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to make my ships doable, make them good and usable. Um, I don't even care if they're good per se. I just don't want them to suck and they're kind of underpowered. So the project I decided to do was um, make a Celestial Hurricanum. And if you're familiar at all with Age of Sigmar, Celestial Hurricanum, at least currently before Cities of Sigmar, unless they're, if they may change the rules there, but currently, and it has been this way since the beginning of Sigmar, that within 18 inches, they give you plus one to hit for all order units. So it's a great buffer. It's like 300 points or something. It's, it's not cheap, but it's, um, it's like 14 wounds, four up save, whatever. And uh, you can put a wizard on the top of it and whatnot. But uh, so I've been thinking, you know, that would be a really good thing for my army. And maybe I could trust in my guns if everyone was getting plus one to hit. So I decided to take one of my Grunstock gun haulers, which is the tiniest ship of Caradron Overlords. And um, I actually own the Celestial Hurricanum for my empire. But that kit also comes with the uh, Luminarch of Shyish or Hyish, whatever. And it has this series of lenses. And I think they focus like sunlight or something like that to shoot at. And either way, um, what I did is I took those lenses because I didn't build the Luminarch. I built the Celestial Hurricanum. So I took those series of lenses. They're big down to small. And I reversed it. You know, it should be focusing the lasers, what it's intended to be. But I wanted it to be a telescope. So I flipped that around and magnetized it to my uh, Grunstock gun hauler, and I painted on all seven or eight lenses in in enlarging degrees. I painted an eyeball as realistically as possible and skin around it and whatnot, um, looking out the glass because it's going to be right in front of the pilot's face. And on the pilot's side of each lens, I painted a landscape from large all the way down to small. And I am super, super tickled with that. It's one of my favorite conversions I've done. And I'm going to make sure that it gets on the proper size base and whatnot. But that will be my Caradron Overlord-themed Celestial Hurricanum that I will be allying in. And hopefully that works. Um, I'm just... It was very difficult to paint those eyeballs on each side. But it looks awesome. So very, very excited about that. Can't wait to try that this week at the gaming club. See if that helps. And I guess that's about it. I'll quit droning on and I will see you guys in the next segment. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. And welcome to another edition of the Tesseract mailbox, where you can write into pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron and leave me a message. Of course, you can call the phone number. Nobody ever calls the phone number. <laughs> anyway, someone called the phone number at some point. 
I've got a letter, and it's from Jason, and he's got questions. I've got answers, but I can't guarantee he'll like them. Let's see. Good evening, Cronman. I was thinking about starting Necrons, and I figured you'd be the guy to ask. What are your thoughts on them competitively? Is the start collecting worth getting? I like Triarch Praetorians and was thinking of getting a full unit of them. Have you ran them? I know, God, this is like talking to one of my kids. Okay, there's a lot of questions. <laughs> I know Wraiths and Flayed Winds are an auto-take, but what about Destroyers? I could see them being useful to some degree. Thanks in advance, Pimpcron. Your friend you've never met, Jason. Okay, well, first off, thanks for uh, emailing me, Jason. And second of all, let me hit this line by line. So what are your thoughts on them competitively? I don't play competitively, uh, you know, that often. I usually, I'm more of a fluff player, but Necrons are quite competitive. They are not top tier. They're not, um, they're not top tier, but they're also not Grey Knights. So they're somewhere in the middle. They are a medium ranged army that is very, very durable. Uh, what with the will be back and they have pretty good saves all the way around. And, uh, there's a lot of, um, toughness five in this army. There's a lot of multi wounds in this army. There's, um, quantum shielding. They're just very, very durable. Um, so think of space Marines, but more durable. That's basically what they are. Um, is the start collecting worth getting? Yes. Uh, I would start off the army with two start collectings, uh, that would give you a nice little squad of scarabs, uh, two units of warriors, um, two overlords, and I think it comes with Annihilation Barge slash Catacomb Command Barge. Um, I used to love Annihilation Barges. I don't think they're as good as they used to be. They're they're just okay. They're anti-infantry. Don't really bother trying to use them against vehicles. Uh, they're AP nothing. And... Um, uh, so what I would do is get two start collecting boxes. You got your two troops and you got two HQs right there. You got two fast units and you've got, um, I would make one an annihilation barge and one a catacomb command barge. And there you go. You are pretty well sorted out at that point. So I definitely think it's worth getting. Uh, you see, you like Triarch Praetorians. Triarch Praetorians, for the people that don't know, are the jump troops that have a rod of the covenant or, um, was it Void Blade and Particle Caster, whatever it is. And uh, I have always liked the Rod of the Covenant personally, because um, I just, I like that weapon better. Uh, of course, the the other one, the Particle Caster is a pistol, that's a little helpful um, in close combat as well. But Triarch Praetorians are kind of a mixed bag. They're Toughness 5 Jump Troops with a 3-up save, and... Uh, Pretty nasty shooting ability uh, in close range with the Rod of the Covenant, and um, not bad in close combat. Um, I believe they're two attacks each. I might be wrong. I can't recall. But um, just expect to be really disappointed when your Triarch Praetorians get shot to death by Storm Bolters, or, or just Bolters in general. Uh, most things don't kill them that well in close combat, because as long as you make sure they go first, they are pretty deadly. And if you're picking the right targets, but against just massed fire, they go down like terminators or anything else. They're just not super durable. Um, so I don't take Triarch Praetorians that often. I do like them. I have a full 10 man squad of them, but I, it's hard for me to actually recommend them. 
But honestly, you know, the way this goes is you just pick whatever you like. I mean, Trark Praetorians, they're, they can be useful. If you learn how to use them, they can be useful. If you pick the right targets, they can be useful. I mean, so uh, of all editions, I essentially think that this edition doesn't really have any bad units. I mean, sure, there there might be one or two, but other editions had horribly glaring bad units. And Trark Praetorians, they're... They're not the top of the the cream of the crop, certainly, but they're um you know middling to maybe a little less. But if you use them properly, they can be devastating. So, uh, I would say salt to taste on that one because it's not going to be a common take. Trag Praetorians aren't. Now you say wraiths and flayed ones are an auto take. Now nobody can argue that wraiths are an auto take in an army. Flayed ones, on the other hand, kind of surprises me that you'd say that because. I do, in fact, like flayed ones. They are essentially warriors, but they've got uh, reroll to wound, and they've got, what, three attacks each. Um, but other than that, they're just essentially warriors. And they can deep strike. But I, uh, I'd i never considered them an auto-take in most people's armies. So, um, I mean, I take flayed ones all the time because I love them. I All 40 of my flayed ones that I own are all the old metal ones because I've owned them since way before they were cool. And I've, I've been through three editions with them so far with them sucking. And finally, they're pretty decent. So uh, if you're going to take flayed ones, no doubt take 20 of them. Don't take 10. Take a full unit of 20 because they will be shot to pieces and you need that extra buffer for the reanimation protocols so you don't get wiped off the board. Um... But your question was, you you think Wraiths and Flayed Ones are an auto-take, but what about Destroyers? You could see them being useful to some degree. Destroyers are very good. Uh, Once again, like all this elite stuff for Necrons, prepare for it to be shot off by Bolters. Just mass fire. um, They're, what, three wounds or something like that? Toughness five, three-up save. uh, Once again, though, just like the Triarchs, they can be extremely devastating. Uh, They've got some pretty good... uh, stratagems and um they can what reroll ones to hit i think something like that because they hate everything that's living and they are a pretty awesome army i have owned them as well for a long time i think i have nine of them and uh, i've got to magnetize that out, out so you can make them the heavy destroyer or regular destroyer heavy destroyers on the other hand i don't really consider to be a good deal uh, i really think you should just stick to regular destroyers and um but destroyers, man, you want to kill some Terminators? You bring some destroyers. They are nasty. But you got to protect them from small arms fire. Uh, so I hope that helps because, um, you know, destroyers, Trark Praetorians, Flayed Ones, even Wraiths. I mean, those are all some of my favorite units, but you're not necessarily going to see them in every list. Specifically Flayed Ones and Trark Praetorians. Trark Praetorians because they're kind of lackluster. Flayed ones because, I don't know, no one takes them really. And, of course, Wraiths are everyone's, you know, poster child. But, um, anyway, so get two start collecting boxes and move on from there. I don't know what the the discount is on it, if there is, like, a collection discount. But, um, the Apocalypse has a pretty cool army box for Necrons. And I believe it includes a Doomsday Arc, which is something you're definitely going to want to keep, is the Doomsday Arc there. Because that is your heavy weapon, your your tank-killing heavy weapon. It's awesome. Anyway, thanks for writing in, Jason. I greatly appreciate it. And we're on to the next segment. Want that? 
or want that lot. Well, I guess it's time for Want That or Want That Not, and today I was looking at the GW website, and apparently the only thing that is ever going to happen ever again, and everything that ever has happened, is Beastgrave, because when you look at the uh, pre-orders and, and whatnot, it is all Beastgrave. It's like 12 items of Beastgrave paraphernalia. So, what is Beastgrave Good God, I have no idea. Nope, just kidding. It's the new Underworlds expansion, apparently. I don't play this game, but apparently that's what it is. Uh, Warhammer Underworlds Beast Grave. So when I first saw this starter set, uh, I, I saw the Beast Grave Wild Hunt and Despoilers collection, and I spit out my soup. Matter of fact, I ran to the kitchen, got a mouthful of sp soup just so I could spit it everywhere. 200 that's 241 dollars o m g uh oh my god <laughs> i'm not lying to you i i i i cried pee i peed blood i spit feces i just nothing made sense anymore in the world i have no idea what i'm looking at 241 dollars i was like you know, with the with the rate of inflation and all, did I just get transported 20 years in the future? It, it's just a regular tax squad, $241 now. This, uh, apparently it's like a uh, collector's edition, though. It comes with every gosh darn thing that they make for this, and I don't know what to make of it. Um, I don't play Underworld. Uh, I know Underworld is actually a pretty popular game. A lot of people do play it, but... Uh, this $241 set is bonkers. Now, that was the first thing I saw. If you scroll down, $97 gives you the Beast Grave collection. And now I'm thinking, oh, well, $97, that's not bad at all. And then without that, $70 will get you just Beast Grave. So apparently Beast Grave for $70 is... The base set with both sides, the rule book, the two tiles, the cards, tokens, and all that. You know, 70 bucks, I know we're only talking 10 models here, but 70 bucks is not that bad. I actually do like that price tag. Now, $97 you get uh, appears to be, what, three cards? Three extra cards, people. Three extra cards and a book, which I think is just a novel. And you get that for $27. Uh, no thanks. And then... In addition to all that, for $241, you get some more tokens, a rollable mat, card sleeves, a carrying case, special dice, blah, blah, blah. No thank you. If I were to do this, I'd get the $70 one. And the most important thing to me is the models. So what do I think of the models of this? Well, there are some, I forget what they're called, wild horn or something. They're like elves, but it looks like... Wood Elves had babies with Fire Slayers, because they've all got mohawks, they got red hair. Um, I hate to be the one to break this to you, but I'm pretty positive that the Milkman was a Fire Slayer, because these guys look like thin Fire Slayers. You got um, five models total for this. You got this little lion guy that's kind of armored. He's kind of cute. Uh, he's running. You got a centaur guy with, um, you know, horse body and an elf top. He's got a, a spear and a shield. He looks fine. I mean, uh, none of this is really striking me, honestly. Uh, the um, There's an archer guy in the back. There's a horn guy in the back. There's a guy uh, with a sword. 
you know, just just kind of blah. I, I don't I don't hate it. it, it does that help? I, I certainly don't hate it, but I really don't think it's anything to write home about. So let's take a look at the other half. The other half is a bunch of beast men. And this comes with six models instead of five. I guess that centaur was just too much plastic to give you another model for that side. The Beastmen, there's uh, four Ungors, and then there's two uh, Beastagors. And obviously one of them is the leader. These guys are... One, man, I hate to be doing this, but they're just kind of there. Matter of fact, I've thought a lot of this about the uh, Warcry people too. Is that they're fine. I don't, I don't hate them. They're, they're perfectly fine. You say this is a warband of beast men, right? And I look at it and I go, yep, that's a warband of beast men. <laughs> I don't, I just don't really see what's so great about them. I really wish they had more character. So you got two Ungors in the back with spears and uh, one's got a spear and a knife. Cause that apparently is variation. There's uh, two Ungors with bows, which is like whatever. And then there's a Beastagore with an axe. He's holding it up. He's holding the head. There's also Beastagore, which apparently is the leader. And in all of these sets, I always think the leader looks the best. Obviously, that's by design. But I do like the leader the best. He's pretty cool. But these don't really strike me. I mean, I am not that interested in Underworlds to begin with. And looking after this, this is certainly not convincing me to try uh, Underworlds just because of Beastgrave. So... Uh, and for $70, I mean, it's hard to say whether this is a want that or want that not. For $70, you get 11 models. You get about seven, t seven tons of tokens. You get a bunch of cards. You get your two play mats. That's pretty cool. And you get the rules. But 70 bucks. I don't, you know, it would be different. I'd be much more willing to try this game if I love the models. Like... The Stormcast models that came out a while ago, they were really cool. The Caradron Overlord models look pretty cool. You know, I mean, there's there's been some cool stuff for it. A lot of the um, the uh, Slaves to Darkness looked pretty neat. But this set, um, if you already play it, sure, 70 bucks. Honestly, I'm not seeing that as a bad price. Honestly. Um, but I this does not strike me as anything that's worth getting or worth trying, in my opinion. So the models are just kind of there, and that's about it. So I guess this is a want that, not for me, although I don't hate it. <laughs> it's just not, just does not seem inspired. And you know, GW, I expect more out of you. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Welcome to another Real Talk with the Pimpcron. I am the Pimpcron. But you probably know that by now if you've made it this far into the show. So today I want to discuss three ways to deal with jerks. Now I've touched on this occasionally, and I even discussed this recently in my The Lonely Havoc podcast interview with my friend Dan. And uh, we've discussed dealing with jerks and, and assholes in the, in the hobby. Well, I have ran into a couple of them, and... Like I've said a million times, by and large, everybody is pretty chill and pretty cool in our community. Now, of course, there's always people that are just kind of socially unaware or socially awkward, and they can come off as, you know, kind of a jerk or whatever, but they're really not a jerk. They're just socially awkward. 
Then you've got people that are clearly jerks. They're mean, they're nasty, they're whatever. So first off, let's get this straight. I'm a casual player and not a power gamer, but that aside, I'm not talking exclusively about power gamers. Power gamers may be the first group that casual people think about when they think about people acting beardy in our hobby. But in reality, the whole casual and power styles are just philosophies and not personalities. So you can't just, you know, throw people in a category like that necessarily and assume that all power gamers you would hate to play with and all casuals you would love to play with. I've enjoyed games against power gamers and I've been miserable against some fluff players. So it really is not a black and white scenario. It all depends on your opponent's attitude, not always the way he makes his list. So you're matched up in a game with someone that's being a total rube. How do you handle that? Here are the things I've done. They range from hilarious fun to unleashing your beast on them. First off, and this is awfully, awfully juicy, troll the haters. I've played many people who take the game way too seriously and literally suck the fun right out of the room. I mean, the flowers in the vase went limp and a dark cloud hovered over our gaming table. I brought in a clown to lighten the mood and he committed suicide. Suicide's not funny, kids. Don't laugh about it. No laughs, no joking, no smiles. To this type of person, the strategy, and probably winning, is paramount to their very existence. And they have no room for your fun-loving shenanigans. Getting bitchy if you get a rule wrong, or being smug when they're right, and overall just making the game a chore. So what do you do? I have one player in mind in particular that I've met. And uh, many of you that know me personally will probably know what player that was, but I'm not, I ain't saying no names. Mm -mm. Well, my strategy of choice is to literally throw strategy out the window and troll the crap out of him. It is amazing. <laughs> I cheat, I distract him, I ask him stupid questions, literally just troll him until my heart's content. But I hear you say, but Pimpcron, how old are you? Eight? That's pretty childish. Well, my theory behind this game is this. Literally, the only reason why I started playing this game was because I wanted to make new friends and have fun hanging out with people outside my home. Some of you may say that I am now having fun at his expense, but I say he was having fun at my expense. Because when you're a jerk, whether you know it or not, whether he intends it or not, He's having fun at our expense because he so desperately wants to win. This is a social game, and your opponent's experience is half your responsibility to make sure it's good. But when someone comes in who has no regard for your fun, they need to be trolled. Sorry, not sorry. Now, having said that, one or two players I have ever played against meet the requirements for me to do this. But boy, has it turned my mood around when I have to do it. Suddenly, playing them isn't a chore at all because we're not even playing the same game. I'm there trying to make it miserable for him to play me so that he will avoid me. <laughs> this, this makes me sound like such a terrible person. <laughs> and he's trying to win against a crazy person who doesn't care if he wins or not. This one player in particular was just, just awful. He was, he was one of those people that was so focused into the game. He didn't laugh, he didn't joke, he didn't want to talk to you, he didn't want anything to do with you if it didn't involve the game. All of his lists were super overpowered, he took the nastiest combinations, blah blah blah. Uh, luckily he's not in our gaming group anymore, but uh, for quite a while he would show up intermittently, and boy was he a jerk. 
And once again, he may not have meant it. Uh, he was a bit socially awkward, but that's just too bad because everyone dreaded playing him. And eventually it got to the point where he didn't want to play me anymore. And it, I made it very clear that I didn't want to play him. So uh, that I understand that probably paints me in a bad light, but you know, whatever. I, I am not above being vindictive or uh, street justice. Pimpcron street justice. Now this next thing can be even more fun than trolling your opponent and being a general dickwad. You can crush their soul. The list of people I have employed this strategy on is about four times bigger than the last group of douchebags. These are a small group of people I have met that have truly earned my ire. Once again, these people have no regard for your fun and think they are generally better at the game than they actually are. So what do you do? You beat the living hell out of them, is what you do. Now, obviously, you know... This is a little... It depends on what your skill level is. It depends on what their skill level is and what your lists are. So, you know. Or, you know what? You know what? Hear me out. You could just beat the hell out of them. Like, physically beat them with uh, a sock full of marbles. Or maybe throw fruit at them. But you know what? I'm not, I'm not condoning any of that. Just beat them on the tabletop. My group of friends and I make a few trips each winter to a city a couple hours away where they have several gaming stores that play 40k. It's fun, refreshing, and a good exercise to play a fresh batch of people you don't normally play. One game in particular had a pretty cheesy player that was so beardy with his leaf blower army that my friend conceded after turn one of their game. I'm pretty sure this guy's name was Sir Douchebaggington, smug, arrogant, and completely remorseless. So I watched a bit of their game and saw how he was acting to my very congenial friend. Okay, we're talking about Loremaster Alex this happened to. And um, Loremaster Alex is not a competitive player in the very least. He's actually the antithesis of that. And he would not know competition if it literally mugged him on the streets of L.A. Well, actually, that's basically what happens in the story. So, after their game was finished, which didn't take long, I quickly came up to him and asked him if he wanted to play. I told him I already had a list uh, made up at the correct points and was ready to start deploying. I was urging him to just keep his list, and not knowing what I was bringing or how angry I was, he agreed. So, at the beginning of turn three, most of my army was in his backfield and half of his army was gone. You know? Suddenly, he looks at his watch and says, oh, gee, I gotta go, uh, I gotta go meet my girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. Now, even now, I feel a surge of pride at making him tuck his tail and run after doing unspeakable things to poor old Loremaster Alex. I mean, he's literally just beating a puppy. Everybody in my group saw him flee, and the look on his face was priceless. It's actually a story my group still talks about once in a while, and one of my proudest moments in this hobby. I know this also sounds childish, but I shouldn't, and that I shouldn't have been vindictive over a stupid game, but the feeling of avenging my friend feels too good to stamp it down with reason and adulthood-induced logic. So once again, this is sounding like I'm a real jerk, but keep in mind that only probably one or two people have I ever trolled because I hated them so much. And then only definitely two people I can think of where I just crushed them as hard as I possibly could. And so essentially, you know, the argument I could make here is that, you know, all, all is fair in love and war, right? Well, in war, 
things aren't fair. It just so happens I knew exactly what his list was. This was in 6th or 7th edition, and at that time, for at least a short while, named characters could take a command barge. And I took Nemazor Zandrak, and I had his bodyguard Obiron or Obiron, whatever. And I flew him across the board. He was playing Admech at the time, before Admech was an army. Uh, it was just Space Marines and a bunch of tanks, and he was painted Admech. And I flew Zandrak over there, and then I did the whole, you know, bodyguard deep strike with Obiron. And Obiron can take one unit with him. Well, I took, uh, I think it was 20 warriors or something like that. And I just lit his stuff up. And uh, so I clearly manipulated him to get what I wanted out of it. Because I already had a list made while he was beating the crap out of Alex. I already made a list that was a perfect counter to his list. And I knew what his strategy was going to be, how he was going to play it. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what you think I'm going to do with Necrons. And, uh, I mean, there was clearly some social manipulation in what I said and how I said it and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, it's funny how he had time for a game until he's starting to lose. And then all of a sudden, oh, I don't have time for a game anymore. Now, I've seen him a couple times when we go to these far-off stores, but boy, that was good. And for any Basement War Gamers, anybody in um, uh, PA, I'm not talking about you guys at all. You guys are great. This is actually in Maryland. so. Uh, but anyway, so this is, this is pretty hilarious. Now, maybe, maybe the most adult thing to do, or maybe the most fun thing to do with a total asshole, is just make a rivalry out of it. Like a good old-fashioned WWE rivalry. So... You take a good old-fashioned butt-kicking, and you add in some WWE flair. If you have a person in your gaming group that thinks they are hot stuff on the gaming table, and is just in general an all-around jerk face, have some fun with them and make a rivalry. I just really enjoy playing the game and having fun with my friends. The only time I bring tough lists is when they are taking one. Maybe by accident if I don't know how good a unit is, but other than that, I don't take super great stuff. Uh, I just take whatever I like or whatever's painted or whatever I just feel like, okay? I like balanced games where strategy is most important, and I enjoy joking around and not taking it too seriously. That is, until an asshole comes along. We had a new player join our group one time, and he seemed okay to talk to at first, okay? We used to call him Dickhead Dan behind his, behind his back. And I knew he was a noob, so I took a really soft nid list to help him learn the game. I told him up front that he would murder me, but I would still do my best. Well, go figure, he murdered me like I predicted. But did we have a laugh? Did we enjoy our game? Nope. He rubbed it in my face every time I lost a model and was downright gloating at the fact that he was clearing me off the table. He started just taking my models off the board when they died without asking me. Now that right there is some bad player etiquette. Well, that little benefit of a doubt that I give all new players and all noobs just up and left. I saw this guy for who he was and decided to challenge him to a second game that night. High off his win he had just had, he agreed. And I changed up my list very quickly. Then I proceeded to wipe him off the table. That's right. So, now you may be thinking I didn't tell him certain rules, etc. because he's a noob and I wanted to win, but that is not the case. That would have cheapened my win. So, when he was deploying his marines, I mentioned several times that when my Moloch comes in, he will want to spread out because of this and that and all the different reasons back then. 
this was sixth or seventh edition. He had uh, you know a big pie plate came out, and it was pretty strong. Molochs were at the time, and um, I explained all of this. I fully disclosed everything to him so that I knew he wouldn't be blindsided. This, my friends, is another one of my favorite memories of playing this game out of spite. This guy, in his first game, when he was gloating so bad, he would high-five me every time he would kill one of my units. He'd be like, oh man, I'm murdering you, I'm taking your units right off the board, and he'd pick up his hand for a high-five. And I'm like, okay. And I would high-five him because I'm not, you know, a child. And so then... When I beat him during this game, I decided by this time, obviously, he had made me mad. And <laughs> uh, my first list was all Tyranid Warriors, purely Tyranid Warriors. And then my second game, I took other stuff. But I remember a Moloch was in it, was all I really remember. And um, man, it was, it was juicy. So the second game, when every time I would remove one of his units, I'd be like, high five, Dan, high five. And he was getting pissed. He was starting to slap my hand as hard as he could because he was getting mad. And, you know, this is vindictive. I get it. It's childish. I get it. This is a game. I get it. Blah, blah, blah. All right, mom. This guy was a jerk, and I do not feel bad about it. So he's no longer in our group, but he was for a while on and off, whatnot. So. I would hunt him down every chance I got, like a predator, and make sure he knew who he was a dick to. <laughs> he completely avoided playing me from then on, because I only beat him. I beat him every single game we played. I was relentless. And I'm not lying to you, you know, my first inclination when there's a player that I really don't like I'm like, oh, gee, I don't want to play them. I try to avoid them. I don't want to deal with them, you know. But when someone is this blatantly rude, I decided, you know what? I am going to go after him. I am going to show him I'm better than him. And I am going to uh, ask him to play every single time he hangs around. And, I mean, no one else really liked him either. I mean, he, he was a jerk. It was just so funny. When we were making up the matchings, I would be like, uh, I call Dan. Dan, you want to play? I want to play you, Dan. I haven't played you in a while. And he's like, ooh, uh, I want to play someone else. And he would back down. And, you know, is this childish? Yes. Should I be bigger than this? Yep. But sometimes you meet those people that just grind your gears, and it is the most satisfying thing in the world to crush them. I wouldn't do this if he were part of our regular gaming group, because it would cause too much drama, I think, to be to be doing this with a regular person. But... I don't actually hate the guy, and I never did, but it is fun to be able to drop the kid gloves whenever I saw him. In almost every game I ever play, I like the person I'm playing against, so I don't want them to dislike playing me. You know, I want them to be, it's my responsibility, they have a good time, but this dude did not care about. So, I always try to be a good sport, I always try to play fair and all that, but it is a nice change to make a rivalry with someone, because it lets the blood get to pumping. And like I said, he eventually moved away is what it was. Um, I, I, I drove him uh, mad. No, I'm kidding. He got another job or something. Uh, oh, good old dick, dickhead Dan. Um, I'm going to have to try to mention dickhead Dan to, to Just James next time he's on the show. Uh, Just James should be on the show fairly soon in the next couple weeks. And uh, boy, that brings back some good memories. So those two people are the only two people that I can really remember ever 
being really aggressive with. And, uh, I mean, I was super nice to him. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't, I wasn't overtly bullying him, but I was socially manipulating him and intimidating him. And I, you know, if you want to send me some hate mail, that's fine. Like, whatever. Um, but I just don't like people that are jerks, which might sound ironic after hearing this, but I'm street justice, Pimpcron. Like, I don't care. You piss me off, man. I'm going after your throat. So, yeah, this this all sounds pretty bad. <laughs> anyway, this is how I deal. This is the three ways I deal with jerks, other than just avoid them. But this is the three ways I deal with them. I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, maybe you're not going to unsubscribe from my channel now that you know what a jerk I can be. Oh, well. Street Justice Pimpcron.